Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for any brand in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 1234 in Edmonton. We're going to have some fun here in 29 seconds time with Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. He's going to love this text that's just come in. Some guests on our show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own. Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Reminder that every Wednesday night is date night at Roos Chris, uh, where two can dine for $120. Uh, tell Rebecca and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. Before we bring Craig Simpson in, uh, I want to get to this text. It comes to us from JJ out of Red Deer. Bob, can you uh, ask Craig Simpson why he is so biased towards the Leafs and also ask him why he is so biased towards the Bruins? That one comes to us from JJ. <laughs> Craig Simpson joins us right now. See, I find that funny, Craig. That made, that made me laugh. I think that guy gets it. Yeah, no, it happens all the time, and it's amazing the kind of responses you get from uh, a night of just doing a game and typically it's whether someone's a rabid fan of one side and they happen to have a bad game or lose you're totally against them or if they have a good game you're totally for them but uh, it happens all the time Bob you've seen the, them throughout the course of the year sure. well uh, you know I mean I work on a on a obviously on a on a team broadcast so it's a little bit yep. different but uh, my general perception is that the Canadian television broadcasts that are national are uh, are very neutral uh, for the most part, the American uh, television broadcasts international are quite neutral. Uh, I would suggest to you that the Canadian regional broadcasts are far more neutral than the American regional broadcasts. Yes, without question. I mean, there's no question a regional should be skewed towards your team and uh, supportive of your team and trying to tell the story of your team. And, and part of the responsibility in a national game is you know, to let people know about the other team as well. You, you're not just a home. You don't work for the team. And uh, uh, I think the the reality of that is when you go from your local or regional broadcast to a Saturday night game or a, or a national game, then, you know, you're not getting the same type of story. But at, at the end of the day, it's uh, players who decide typically how you react to the game. And uh, you do even within the game have times where one team's taking over and that's story and the other teams all of a sudden making a bunch of uh, mistakes and and that's the story so uh you know nothing more pronounced than a game seven though tonight to see you know which team can keep their uh, their game together throughout 60 minutes to try to win this thing craig um given your experience against san jose as a coach back in 2006 where the Sharks won the opening two games in that series and I thought they were fairly convincing in that game you guys came back you won four straight are you because of an experience like that despite Boston's dominance in the opening two games uh, because you've had prior experience as a coach and and probably in series as well where the orders were a little outplayed early are are you surprised you're sitting there tonight in Boston getting ready for game seven no, I'm not totally surprised. I wasn't after at least game three where that's where you have to answer. And, uh, you know, I, I think the 
the reality in this series, uh, I, I thought back in the San Jose series, we, we lost a couple of close ones. We started to turn the game in the, in the in the second game that we ended up losing. So I think the one thing you have to have as a team is hope and belief. Uh, you know, I've, I've always said as a player, your role going into a series is trying as quickly as possible to take away your opponent's will to win. And you got to plant doubt in their mind that they're not as good as you. Uh, you've got to try to impose your game on theirs. And I thought in the first two, they it was skewed. And Toronto got back on their heels. They made mistakes. Their D weren't able to handle the pressure. And, uh, you know, penalty killing wise, they were, what, five for 10. So you, you had all the boxes checked off that you weren't really in the series. So game three was, was a huge one to get a little bit of hope back in your, your team get them to believe in each other and uh, so from that standpoint even though they lost that game four uh, I felt that they were at least feeling like they're as good a team and that they belong in the series and and here you are now with one game where you know a big mistake or a great performance might be the difference that uh, wins one of these two teams the, the series. Has Frederick Anderson outplayed Tuka Rask in your opinion? Uh, I would say, you know, in the in the key games that they want, it's kind of been a back and forth goaltending. Ne- neither goaltender would be all that uh, pleased with their performances when you look at the same percentages. You know, just over nine. And uh, I-, I think though, if you're looking for trends, you go. This is where you need your guy to get hot. Uh, and Anderson, if nothing else, uh, was able to make the big save. I. I- We've made so much. Uh, the, the big difference for the Bruins has been their top line. I mean, top line's got six goals, 23 points in the three wins, and they've been shut out in the three losses. But in those three losses, man, have they been dangerous. So I still think you look at, you know, can you continue? And part of it is your goaltender's responsibility. Can you continue to make the big saves when that line uh, gets their chances? And then in the three games that the Leafs have won, it has been Anderson that's been able to, frustrate Pasternak on a couple of acrobatic saves and you know make those big saves when they needed it. Tukarask, this is from Sportsnet Stats, Tukarask 5-12, and 12, a 2.92 goals against average, yeah. an 8.97 save percentage in potential series clinching games. He's dropped four straight in that scenario. Yeah, and that's something that you know as an individual that's not lost on him tonight and uh you know, as good as he's been, he, he hasn't been able to do what Tim Thomas did to, you know, win a Stanley Cup for this team. They they got to the final when he was playing, and they lost. And so those things start to add up. And, you you know, history remembers playoffs a lot more than how good you were in the regular season. And this is one of those moments that that'll be another interesting factor. Can, can you come up on home ice where your team has been good all year and bring the performance of your career. And so, you know, I, I always think that when you look at a game seven, you got to start in the crease because if there's a weakness in either side, that could be the one thing that tilts the, the end result one way or another. So uh, this, this is a huge game for Rask in terms of, you know, how he's going to be remembered. Boston is a tough town as, as all, uh, you know, big city, uh, big hockey towns are for goaltenders. And, this is one of those games that it'll be interesting to see if he can come up with that kind of performance that has been unable to do over those times that you just mentioned there. Can you give me a word to describe Rick Nash's performance to date in this series? Word. Average. 
you know, I, I personally didn't like that deal. I, I think Rick's days as a real impactful goal scorer and uh, player are, are, are long gone. I, I thought the time that the Rangers were in the Stanley Cup final, he and Brad Richards were the guys that were really offensively the Achilles heel for that team not being able to take care of Los Angeles. So I kind of raised an eyebrow for me that the Bruins made that deal. Um, I think he's working hard. I, I think he's trying hard. I think he's created a few, but he just seems to me as a guy that you just you don't feel at any point that he's really going to have, when he gets that opportunity, that it's going to end up in the back of the net. To me, he looks done. To me, it looks like he can't get there anymore. Yeah, but I, that's what I mean. I just think from an impactful standpoint, you look at the Bruins. I personally would be putting Donato in. Same here. I, 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 <laughs> same I think, here. Uh, what's that? Say, I, say, I, I, same here. Like, I can't believe oh, I, yeah. I, I no, tweeted. And, and I think, you know, there's a kid that yep. in this year, you know, college is one thing. He went to the Olympics, although it wasn't, you know, NHL caliber Olympics, but he was their best scorer. He was their best player. He's dangerous. Uh, I think when you need a guy who can, you know, uh, bring speed and make plays, uh, I just would feel that he would have a better chance. Uh, Heinen has struggled a little bit as a rookie in the yep. playoffs as well, so I'm surprised. I, I personally think it's a GM's decision more than it is the uh, uh, the coach's decision that, that Donato's not in. Really? I find that interesting. Isn't Donato a Harvard guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. It's a, yeah, he is a Harvard guy, but it's it's not a question of whether or where he comes from. There, I, I just think that the GM is looking at experience. Just just from a comment before the series started uh, from from Cassidy, so I, I I was surprised that maybe there wasn't a change today. But Cassidy made it clear he's going back with uh, uh, Nash on the Krejci line with uh, Jake DeBrus. And Jake's been good. Jake's yeah, been... Jake's played really well. He he hasn't backed off at all. He hasn't shown any. You know, fear of situations or look nervous, and uh, he he's been a real effective player for him. We're joined by Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Bob Stoffer with the Oilers. Now five thirty tonight on uh, hockey. Is that on both uh, Hockey Night in Canada and on uh, uh, Sportsnet, Craig? Do you know if it's on both? I think. Jeez, you know what? Uh, I should know that. I don't. I think it is, but uh, yeah. uh, don't quote me on that because. You also have Jays on, and you have Raptors on, and so I'm, I'm not sure. I'll have to check on that. And the soccer, which is on the other network. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just as an aside, I mean, you were in Toronto on Monday when that horrible uh, tragedy took yeah. place. Um, it was quite emotional. Ron Hainsey did an exceptional job speaking to it. So, too, did Patrice Bergeron before Yeah, the I thought they both did, didn't they? Yeah, and, and obviously the right calls to, to keep on playing. You, you can't you can't let something like that alter the course and direction. But what was the mood like in the, uh, that, that, that when you, you know, you're getting ready to, to prep for that game and broadcast that yeah. game? Well, it was, it was difficult, and, you know, to have it a couple of weeks after the, the last time we had to Yep. ready for a broadcast 24 hours after the humble thing so uh you know it was a bit of a surreal uh right. building the, the people i'm i think at first not sure how to really react but i thought overall the people gave real true respect and uh, uh there was a heart sent feeling in toronto the the anguish for the families that were affected uh, i think shock that it was their city and uh, something like that could happen so but i, I think uh, the players handled it respectfully. They played hard, and the and the fans 
you know, I think we're we're happy to at least have something to get excited about for a while. All right, Craig, we're going to switch focus. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers uh, coaching situation. There is a percentage of our listeners that are a little bit frustrated that there hasn't been a resolution to this. My expectation is that uh, Todd McClellan will remain as a head coach and that the Oilers are trying to put uh, several, uh, you know, pieces together here that yep. may involve the American Hockey League as well. Would you agree or disagree with that sentiment? I, I would agree. I, I don't know anything, uh, you know, uh, specifically. I listened to you here in the hotel room uh, before, and you were mentioning a guy like Trent Yanni. Uh, you know, that's an interesting one. I, I, I wasn't sure because I popped in after what you were thinking. Yeah. Uh, Yanni joining the, the Oilers or Yanni being the coach down in the American No, Yanni joining Todd's staff. Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, I, I think... As I've said before, again, no knowledge on this, but I I think there's going to be a move or two for sure, yep. and uh, I think there'll probably uh, be a big hard look and see what's available and do some assessment at the American League level too, because I, I do think that if you look at the teams, and I heard you talk about Bruce Cassidy's situation in Boston, I think Sullivan's was very much the same for for Sullivan, the route to get back into the NHL, he felt was to be a head coach and go down to Pittsburgh. And, of course, it worked out amazingly well for him. But I, I do think you need, first you need the prospects, but then you need the, the pipeline to say you've got to coach the same, you've got to put the same type of uh, yep. um, you know culture in, in place in the American League. This is how we are. This is what our organization represents. And I think you need to put resources down in the American League to make sure that you're getting all the top uh, you know coaching qualifications and and things done for for that team too. Because look at all the good players coming from the American League that are having an impact in the playoffs these days. There, there's plenty of them. Well, I'll give you an example of what you're talking about in terms of having the same philosophical approach. I would call Todd McClellan an offensive coach. Uh, I think that he, uh, I think he leans to that aspect of the game. Um, and then the guy that replaced him in Houston was Rob Dom, and he is a high, he's a pressure coach. Well, the guy that was coaching their NHL team at that time was Jacques Lemaire. And you remember coaching against Jacques Lemaire. I would not suggest to you that his teams were high-pressure teams around the ice trying to create turnovers and be attack-based. I mean, come on, they were a defensive-minded hockey club. So I do yeah. think there needs to be a philosophical alignment there. Um, do you think that the, the, the fans overthink the importance of coaching sometimes? You said something there. You still got to have the the players in the pipeline. You, you know, you've you've been a player in the league. You've been a, an assistant coach in the league. Um, I would argue that had the Oilers had greater success around 06, 07, 07, 08, you might have been a head coach for Edmonton at some point. Uh, is there, is it, does a coach get too much blame when it goes bad and too much credit when it goes good? Well, I think every coach understands that that's part of the balance of being in that role. Uh, I, I think the, the good coaches realize that, uh, you know, there are times when, you got to get out of the way a little bit, and you got to you got to you know give your team some of the uh, ability to implement what you've already been talking about. And I, I think that what you find now, players want a ton of information, are able to absorb it all. But there are times when you've got to you got to play the chess game, just like a parent. You know, you can't be parenting twenty four hours a day. You you give your insight, you give your knowledge, you give. In, 
the details of how you should live and how you should operate and how you should work, and it's no different than every day of practice. It's how we want to play. This is how the system we want to implement. And then you got to step back and get out of the way and let them fail a little bit, let them learn, you know, some tough knocks. Yeah, but you got to give them trust back. And I think the good coaches now are dealing with really high-performing young individuals who are going to make mistakes. Uh, but if you have the trust in their character and what they are as people, then you're able to back off and get them back out there and try to build them up and try to let them learn through that process. And uh, I, I think at times that's where if things are going badly and you're reacting badly and you're coming down on them, and, and that's where I think from a fan's perspective the, the blame goes on the coach. Uh, I think you know, in a perfect scenario... There's a balance there, as always. The, the players have to have that accountability and not look that it's somebody else's fault. I've said so often with some of the young players, you got to learn what it, what you need to do to stay in the lineup every day. You've got to be committed then to having that, that work ethic to do it and that understanding of what's expected of you. And there are some good coaches that are able to bring that out of players. Craig Simpson joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Craig, how many Game 7s did you play in your career? We were uh, talking about that. I think three. The the uh, first one was the one we lost after we were up three games to one to L.A. Uh, yeah. in uh, 1989. Yep. And that was a big crushing. And then, of course, in 1990, uh, game seven against the Winnipeg Jets. And then 1991 against the Calgary Flames. So I think we won two of them. We lost uh, the first one I was in in L.A. Did you think you were done when you are down 3 nothing to Calgary in Calgary? Or did you guys still have belief on the bench in that game? Yeah, I think we had hope, and, uh, you know, I think that's where uh, part of what can happen, the crazy things that can happen in a Game 7 like that one, uh, I really thought uh, two turning points. Uh, you, can, you can never feel that you're out of it, especially when it's early. Like, first period, 3 nothing lead, you know, we laughingly say is one of the worst leads in hockey because that next goal just swings the pendulum of momentum and pressure uh, greatly. And right. You know, Flurry scored the third goal in the first period and went down on his knees like he did the night before in Game Six. Uh, and it was like, you know, in their mind, that was a big goal, up three nothing. And then Tick scored in the dying uh, seconds of the of the first period on a slap shot just inside the blue line. And it was like, okay, there's the break that we needed. Let's go back and let's get settled in and let's get ready to battle. And so. You know, it's another good lesson that uh, nothing, things can change. The last time I was here in Boston for a Game 7, it was the Leafs <laughs> blowing a 4-1 lead with 10 minutes left in the third period. So, crazy things can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no question. Well, Tick had a good game. That He got a hat-trick, right? Got himself a new deal, too. He got the winner. He got the winner in overtime, yep. And uh, that, that, was a, that was an amazing series. And, you know, again, just another good lesson and the never say die attitude you have to have you got to play right to the end and hope that uh, you can come out and make something great happen and uh SS sure did in that one well and that was uh i mean that was your dave uh, brown started the lawnmower and jim kite the other thing i remember mark messier walking off the bench after you guys had won in game seven i'm like uh-oh he can't even walk and that's he was playing <laughs> he was playing with a pretty big injury wasn't he well, I, I, most guys are at uh, different times. Yeah. yeah, there's been plenty of guys who have, you know, just done everything. And that's another thing that you, you know, you as fans, it's you're, you love your players, you hate them when they don't uh, perform. And what you rarely realize is 
some of the things that guys are going through to even get through a game. And, you know, a lot of times that, that's hard to be. When you're out there on the ice, you know that the criticism is going to be there if you can't do, do right. the job and get the production. But there's so many times that guys can barely get through those games. And, you know, they're doing so much to try to get through all the injuries. Well, we're watching one, and this guy was never one of my favorite players. He's a former Oilers first-round draft choice. But Riley Nash is clearly struggling. Like, you can tell he's got a significant uh, injury issue that he's dealing with because he's nowhere near. Well, what did he miss? I think he missed uh, eight or nine games uh, down the stretch. You know, Bergeron missed that one game. Don't know what's exactly going on there. I I do know in 2013 when they lost in in the final, he was playing with a punctured lung. So you know how difficult it is to just uh, breathe, let alone play at an NHL level. So there's there's plenty of examples of guys uh, trying to get through those types of things. 2013 was the year Tyler Sagan scored one goal in the playoffs, too. If he scores one more at a critical time, Boston maybe wins a cup. Let's do this, Craig. Uh, give me the call. I know you're not big into predictions. What do you think happens tonight? Uh, you know what? For, for some reason, I, I think the Leafs actually are, are going to get through this one. Uh, I, I I think that uh, they, they've hung in there long enough to allow their big players maybe to have a big night. And, you know, Matthews hasn't really done much. Elander finally got a key goal in game six. Uh, but if, uh, I, I just think there's a lot of pressure on Boston, a lot of pressure on Rath to come up with a big game. And I wouldn't be shocked if Toronto finds a way to win this one. Craig, as always, thank you for your time. We'll be watching tonight. All right, Bob, thanks. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, that's Craig Simpson. If you're looking for a great hockey road trip next fall, how does Germany and Sweden sound? Follow Oilers now with New West Travel to Europe in October. See two great games, experience all that Germany and Sweden have to offer. Your New West Travel package includes flights, hotels, game tickets, and welcome receptions. Book now for your Oilers Now hockey road trip to Germany and Sweden. Space is limited. Call New West Travel 780-432-7446 or go online at newwesttravel.com. 1256. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back at 105, we're going to open up the phone lines on the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. This is Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca. Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca.